Well, last week I kind of started off this, uh, what's really a short little series on relationship, understanding relationship. I genuinely believe that our society has, is, is moving in a direction that is, is, is harmful, just harmful to authenticity and relationship. And uh, especially when I look at believers, and especially I'm gonna, you know, when I look at what's going on, because we associate in so many ways with what's going on in the evangelical Christian community, we see larger buildings with many people, but less real connecting going on. And I think that as, as Messianic Jews, too many, too many of our communities are one-day events. People live an hour away from one another, and they schlep it. And I'm talking, because I know the Santis do live an hour away, but, you know, but people live so far away from one another, and then they come in for an event once a week. And what I want to talk about today is that's not what God intended. All right? If that's the best you got, then that's the best you got. But what God intended was something much more intimate, much more intimate. We're going to see a video here in just a moment. This video is, um, uh, oh, what is his? Uh, Simon Sinek. Sinek. I don't know how he says that. This man's brilliant. Not a believer. <laughs> All right? Uh, but he always has, I think, incredibly helpful things to add. And he's going to talk about the value of community. About what it means to be human, civilian, what do you want to call it, from the military than from anybody else who doesn't wear a uniform which is I understand and I, I learned a long time ago, which is my own sense of uh, camaraderie and brotherhood and sisterhood and community um, is the thing that helps me stay inspired, is the thing that saves me when I'm in a dark place, is the thing that motivates me. And, um, and it's hard in this modern day and age to find an intense sense of community or love um, in, in the general population. And I think technology makes it even more difficult. You know, because we th we're connected, but we're not connecting. And um, when I started hearing stories from people that I met in the military about brotherhood and sisterhood, and again, you call each other brothers, you know, um, I wanted to learn, quite frankly, because my complaint was, why can't I have that, right. you know? Why can't we all have that? Why can't everybody have that? Ah, that's interesting. Why can't we have that sense of community? You know, if you ever want to sit down and talk to David, you know, he was in battle. He was in combat. Intimacy is important when you have to do something significant. Now, I remember when I used to, I was saying, I used to park, I used to park for the mob, okay, down on uh, Russian Walton. Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember two guys, Brad Foreman, he's actually a missionary now, in, uh, in Turkey, doing ministry work. And um, he and I, uh, and then another guy, Tim, for some reason I can't remember his last name at the moment, but uh, these two guys, we were so intimate in our connectedness. We spent so much time together parking cars, and we were so aware of some of the difficulties at times of parking cars that we could read each other's minds. I remember the one time, still vivid in my mind, when some knucklehead pulled a gun and, and uh, Brad jumped on his back, you know, and so it didn't hit, hit anybody. He didn't shoot anybody. Craziness. You trust deeply people you need to rely on. 
Most of us don't rely on anybody. He's absolutely correct. Military people come home and they're lost in the society in which we live. A little connectedness, connecting, a lot of connectedness. I thought it was great. Why can't we have that? Because we don't choose to. We don't really choose to. People don't prioritize community, especially religious community. Listen, you'll notice it. Some people come and go. They'll attend, but they won't do anything else. Is that what God envisioned for the body of Messiah? Is that what we read about in the book of Acts? Absolutely not. People want a little taste. They want to be able to walk in anonymously to a large, beautiful building where everything is prepared for them. And then they can walk out and go off to the rest of their life. And no one has to know anything about them. How shallow is that? It's pretty shallow. Where a lot of people are at. Now, good, good churches and good congregations that are large work against that. You know, they try to involve people. They have things to get people connected and really connecting. Can't beat the hearts of people. People really don't want to be authentic. People really don't want to be transparent. People really do not want to put themselves into a place where others can really know them. There's really not much you can do. And of course, they're the ones who suffer, but the community suffers too. Getting to know people takes, as I call it, time and material. Time and material. Your time and all that stuff that goes into relationship development. Whether it's getting meals together, whether it's crossing the town to get to, to where the other person is, it's time and material. But what's critically important is to answer the question, why not? What is it that keeps us from having these kind of relationships. This morning, we're going to be specifically looking at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And if you uh, turn to the back of the announcement sheet, you'll see uh, the outline. And one, of, one thing I want you to look at is our synagogue values. We put these together several years ago. And um, we're going to look at them the next several weeks because it's relevant, you know. It's really relevant. We're not going to talk about the top two, really. It's really the intentional community life thing, which I think is critical. And so we're going to begin in Acts chapter 2 and see what it is that these believers did to practice scriptural values, scriptural values regarding relationship. All right? Acts chapter 2, we're on page 1038, page 1038 in the Congregational Tanakh, beginning in verse 42. Acts 2, verse 42. Begins by saying, They were devoting themselves to the teaching of the emissaries and to fellowship, to breaking bread and to prayers. Fear lay upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were happening through the emissaries. Here we see in these first two verses that these believers, these are overwhelmingly brand new followers of the Messiah Yeshua. You can say, how do I know that? How do I know that? Well, you look at this text up above, and it basically, you had a situation where all these people are in the city of Jerusalem for the holiday of Shavuot, and Peter and all the Talmudim who were following Messiah Yeshua and dwelt with the Holy Spirit for the first time, this, this brand new thing of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes about, and they, Peter gets up and preaches. 
And the people are watching. So just the common people wondering are watching what's going on. They're hearing what's going on. God is working a miracle. And a bunch of people become believers. All right, bunch, thousands become believers. 3,000 in the text on that day, <laughs> okay? So they're new to all this. And they're hungry to learn and to understand. And it says they were devoting themselves, devoting themselves when you think about devotion, is, is devotion something that, you know, is half-hearted? Can you be devotedly half-hearted or half-heartedly devoted? No. It's all in. Devoted, devoted, committed, passion. It all goes together. These individuals were seeking to intensely connect, to intensely connect with one another and this message. Nothing passive about it. Nothing half-hearted about it. And what are they really committed to first here? They're committing to the spiritual maturity. Their spiritual maturity and the people around them. They're committed to this. Devoting themselves for the purpose of growth. What do, how do we know? Fellowship, Kesher, breaking bread and prayers. Kesher, all right? Uh, uh, to uh, um, uh, Fellowship, breaking bread and prayers. And, and of course, devoting themselves to the teaching. These are all necessary for spiritual growth and development. One of the reasons that, that uh, as so often as believers, people really struggle with being all in in a community is they're really not all that teachable. For someone like, I would say, that's the hardest thing. People aren't very teachable today. There's a lot of information that floats around. You just go on a YouTube and you just watch YouTube and suddenly you can turn it, uh, turn it off. Uh, YouTube, and uh, the bottom line is you got it all figured out. What do you need a teacher for? All right? I'll just wait for him to... Everybody's staring at the screen. <coughs> I'll help. <coughs> Are you teachable? Are you actually teachable? See, teachable means that you have people you look up to to provide information to grow you, develop you. They would ask Yudita to come in and, and talk about teachability. She's kind of new, but, and it's a little different what she does, but the truth is kids today, they're not very teachable. Kids have never necessarily wanted to go off to school and learn a lot. Few do, a lot don't. But there is a decline in teachability. Remember when Matt went to a Northwestern, it was all about getting the, getting the certification you graduated. It was not really about learning at times. Some of the kids were just flat out cheating all the way through because they didn't care about learning. They just wanted to get the degree. These people are committed to their spiritual maturity and it's with one another. It's in a communal sense. It's what you see throughout the biblical text. They're committed to this and they are connecting to one another at a very deep level for this purpose. It's also interesting in the second part, fear lay upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were happening. Why are these, why the fear? I think that the more, the more that you are connecting with God and connecting with other believers the more you are awestruck by what God is doing. When it's just little old you by yourself, 
you gain all the value of little old you. I, we, uh, um, Howard, <coughs> Howard and I were talking, and, and uh, I think Brian was in the room, and it was great to hear this. And uh, we were talking about addictions, basically. And uh, he said, I was just, you know, with all the different addiction issues you were struggling with, and all of a sudden God just said to you, and, and basically, don't worry about it. <laughs> wow, that's powerful. I mean, you can talk to Howard later about his addictions, but God basically told him, it came to him, when he humbled himself, God said, don't worry about it. You know, it's incredibly instructional for me. I cry out, oh God, would you change so-and-so? And I'm like, God, you changed me. Howard's like, yeah, God changed me. <laughs> cool. Encouraging. God does change people's lives. And I know he does it. It's always nice to be reminded again and again and again. You got to have community for that. Just you in a room by yourself. It doesn't work the same way. Because people were awestruck by what God was doing, they were bold to take risks. These believers are out there sharing their faith in bringing people in. As it says at the very end of the, the chapter, God's adding to their numbers. Why? Because they're excited. Because they're connecting with one another. They're growing in their relationship with God. People see that and they're impacting the lives of people because they're willing to take risks and get out there and speak with people about what God is doing. And it was a result. Take a look at verse 44. And all who believed were together, having everything in common, they began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as they as any had need. Now here, it's interesting. Here the connecting specifically has to do for the care of one another in terms of needs. I've been, you know, pulpit rabbi, I guess you'd say, for probably 15 years now. And what I've noticed is some people are chronical, chronical, chronically needy. Chronically needy. And they have the same reasons. It's the way they live their lives. Okay? You know how you go from being what I'm going to call a taker to a giver? It's in your mindset. You begin to care about the needs of others. And stop worrying about your own needs. Start thinking about the needs of others. Actually, what really happens is, is that you, you really desire to let God work in and through your life. And part of that is, as we see in the, throughout the New Testament, we see it, even the rabbi mentioned it in the text, to care for your neighbors. You're so focused on yourself. That's narcissism. <laughs> So focused on yourself. you got nothing left for anybody else. That's God-less. God, it's sin. It's a terrible sin. When we focus, when we're responsible for ourselves, we, we then understand the value and importance of caring for the needs of other people. And God begins to use us in the lives of others. And it's a value that these people really understood in practice. Now, this is not a treatise on socialism. If you're a social democrat in the room today, I'm not in favor of your economic ideas, okay? But giving and caring for others is important. One of the things we have is a Rosh Chodesh Fund, and Cindy pointed out to me, she said, how come we don't mention the Rosh Chodesh Fund on Rosh Chodesh? Duh, I gotta remember that. It's because I forget so many things now. When's the last time you gave to the Rosh Chodesh Fund? 
whole point of the Rosh Kodesh Fund is to give so that we have resources to help others who have need. Not hundreds of dollars, just give a couple of bucks. But it all comes together to help people, and it's a way to practice caring for others. They made it a priority to do two things. Spend time together and to care for one another. If you don't spend time with people, you really don't know who they are. You really don't know what their needs are. A long time ago, there was a, a, a family with a lot of issues. And they would never let me know when they had issues. Pride. And uh, so they had kids, so eventually ended up at their house <clears throat> And uh, it just so happened one day while I was sitting in the kitchen, they opened the fridge door. There was nothing in the fridge. That's pride. But there's sometimes a little reality to Let's be honest. How many of us really want to communicate the very difficult realities? We should within community if we really know one another. But I know that's hard. But if we really know one another and care for one another and we're in relationship with one another and we're spending time with one another and we're in each other's homes, we can see the reality of the people we're supposed to be in community with. It helps us understand how we can better help one another. I firmly believe in an open home policy. Some of you, some of you have it. I mean, some of you don't even lock your doors. I think it's... I wouldn't recommend that, but, but having an open home is biblical. Why? Well, it says it here, but all kinds of places. Hospitality is not an industry in the biblical text. It's an action. Inviting people in. Inviting them in. Living life together. Some of you did it very well. Some of you, not so much. The last thing we see in verse 46. It says, Day by day they continued with one mind, spending time at the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were sharing meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord was adding to their number those being saved. Here, these people are connecting with their commitment to praise God. Just praising God like we did this morning. Very interesting the way we do things. It's very unique. It's free worship, musical worship, worship in terms of, of liturgic liturgy, so formal kind of liturgical worship. It's all focused on what? Praising God. Not just doing a ditty. Not just enjoying some music. Praising the Lord our God and doing it together. Can you praise the Lord your God by yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what's fascinating is when you look at the biblical text, Mostly people doing it with others. Just a note here, the believers are continually in the temple. And by the way, the text here, when it talks about the prayers, is a reference to the Amidah. Because that's what it is. It's the reference. I'm sure they did all kinds of different things, too. We know they were praying together. It just wasn't formal prayer. We know that there are hymns that are being written, so we know there's PU team or there's, there's songs that are being developed in the believing community. But the emphasis is they're connecting with one another, intentionally connecting with one another to worship the Lord their God. Their God.
They were united in their purpose and their focus. They were appreciative and thankful for all that God had done for them. But they were doing it together intentionally. How intentional are you at connecting with other believers? Genuinely connecting with other believers. A couple of questions to ask. It's on the, the sheet. It starts off with what Sinek mentioned. Are you connected but not connecting? Then that's a real problem. How are you living in intentional community with other believers within this synagogue? How are you living in intentional community? Hopefully you have people you genuinely connect to and are transparent with. You can't do that with everybody. I think I saw another thing. You can have at the most 150 friends. And we're not talking Facebook friends. We're talking people you know and have some kind of a relationship with. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you have a couple of good friends... You're doing better than most. Do you know that many people in America have no friends? They don't have any friends. No one calls them. No one checks up on them. They don't grab a meal with anybody. Terrible. It's not the way God wants it. In what ways is your life inauthentic, hidden, masked from the people in this room? Do the people in this community really know who you are? Have you let them in? Are you afraid of people? Are you afraid of letting people in? If you're not letting people in, why not? If there's no one you're transparent with, no one that you're open with, that's an incredible burden. Do you, do you prioritize times for community prayer and scripture study? I say that because, you know, in a couple of weeks we're having our congregational meeting of prayer. You know, I really would like us to have techilot again. Just nights of worship. But even if we did it, would you prioritize it? Would you say, I'm going to, I'm coming because I want to just worship God. When we look at our synagogue values, <clears throat> You know, dedicated Yeshua faith is number one because that's most important. Active Jewish identity, we put it second just because we're a Messianic synagogue. It should be a priority here. But, you know, the intentional community life is, is really critical to a congregation. I mean, you could be a dedicated follower of Messiah Yeshua all by yourself in the wilds of Africa. I know a couple of people who are by themselves serving God in places where there are very few other believers. But that's unique. Active Jewish identity is second because being so Jewish, we refuse or we, we back off on our, our faith in Yeshua. That's wrong. I want people to come and find me if they want to lock me up or kill me because I'm a follower of Messiah Yeshua. And I want them to come and find me as a follower of Yeshua because I'm a Jew, if it comes down to that. Of course, I'll fight back. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But third, I can't grow as a follower of Messiah Yeshua. And I can't live my life as a Jew outside of community. That's what's interesting. Jews don't do well by themselves. It's all about community. In our values, and we'll talk about this again, I'm just going to mention it, supporting intergenerational growth and relationship. 
We've always valued that, and that's why we've always had young people involved in so many different ways. Encouraging transparency and accountability. You know, really asking people hard questions. Having commitment, contract-level relationships with one another, is a, it's important. It's so easy for us to not really show who we are because we're either afraid or we don't want to be vulnerable. Building community through hospitality in our synagogue and our homes. And years ago, everybody were kids for the most part. Most everything happened here in the congregation. Now, there's, so, there's things in the homes, but nothing at the congregation. I think we need both. Got to have stuff both in our homes and in, in the congregation. That means people in, need to live in proximity, which is also down below, close to the synagogue, and be willing to open their homes, being willing to invite people in. And then at times we need to do just stuff here where everybody can be together, just worship the Lord, and just enjoy time together. The last thing there, prioritizing congregational activities in our daily lives. I'll never forget when I was, you know, years ago at a different community where, where the Shabbat was not a Shabbat. People would, would uh, come when it was convenient. I used to tell people, when they come to faith, I said, every time the door is open, you should be here. That's what I was told when I was a brand new follower of Messiah Yeshua. Every time the door is open, I needed to be in a Bible study or at services or doing something that had eternal value. Now, for some of us, that's really difficult, and I understand that. But is it your priority to be active in the community and to be fully participating as much as you can? When we have the Bible study later today, are you going to go home uh, for something frivolous? Or it is probably a better one. Wednesday night study, are you going to stay home and watch TV? If you're going to stay home and watch TV, shame on you, because that's meaningless. All right? If there's other things you have to do, I understand but what can you do to prioritize being in relationship with others in the community, especially for the purpose of prayer, worship, and teaching? The Lord our God created us to be relational. We have to intentionally fight what is the spirit of the age, even as I think Sinek mentioned, that chips away at authentic relationship. We need to fight for authentic relationship. We need to become more vulnerable and more transparent. But along with that, as we're going to talk about, demonstrate greater understanding. That's also sometimes a real problem. We don't really seek to understand one another and to be as understanding as we need to. So as we go on and continue this discussion, there are all kinds of questions for us to consider for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the fact that you have indeed brought us into relationship with you through our faith in Messiah Yeshua, and by that, brought us into relationship with one another. God, help us to grow our relationship with you so that we can grow our relationship with one another. Help us, God, to seek you with all of our heart, mind, and soul so that we can better catch or connect with one another at the intellectual, emotional, and volitional levels. God, please bless this community so that we might be the people you want us to be, that you might use us in the lives of those who are not here, 
but who you are trying to desperately reach out to. And we thank you, God, that you made this all possible through the death of our Messiah, Yeshua. Help us, God, to live lives worthy of him.